G'day everybody, Matt Ellis with you for a brand new series of the Cricket Library podcast and we're getting things underway with the man they call the frog in a blender, Paul Adams, iconic South African spinner who had a meteoric rise to international stardom in the 90s. He played 45 test matches for his country and today we hear his story on the Cricket Library podcast. It's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library podcast. Paul Adams, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for allowing me to chat. <laughs> we, we, yeah, it's always good and uh, nice just to reminisce. <laughs> oh, we we love reminiscing here on the on the Cricket Library and uh, so many so many good stories to tell and one of the things we like to find out from our guests uh, is the origins of your passion for cricket. You you played 45 test matches, 141 first-class games, 24 ODIs, mountains of wickets in there. But the passion had to start somewhere. Can you tell us a little bit about where it all began for Paul Adams? Yeah, I think it's uh, um, most. Um, young kids start it's in the backyard um, and family and friends play a big role in that um, you know I grew up in Cape Town in a suburb called Grossy Park um, and we were very uh, passionate about sport you know and not just cricket there was football there was rugby um, athletics all of those things were, were quite involved in our household um, I'm the youngest of uh, I've got uh, three older siblings Um and it, all of them were yeah, very sporty, um, in cycling, in, in, in various sporting codes as well. Um, but the one significant thing was that my, my dad was a fisherman, which spent a lot of time away from home. Um, he would he would uh, almost go away for a month, come home for five days, and he'll have to be off. Um, but he made sure always when growing up that he was home during the summer months, take his leaf. Um, and sit along the side of the field and, and try and help uh, take us to the cricket grounds. Uh, sometimes act as a team driver. We have to fit in a whole lot of kids in the car and uh, get the kids to the to the ground. But uh, yeah, those moments are, are special ones, and and they are the ones that really just sort of build that passion, that drive, and wanting to be on the cricket field and and wanting to perform. In Australia, a lot of us, when we grow up, we play backyard or front yard cricket. Is that something that you did with with your siblings? Did you get out in the yard and, and play uh, games with tennis balls and things like that um, with, your, with your family? Yeah, exactly that. You put the, the, the rubbish bin out there as the wickets. You uh, use the stones as, as the other side there and... And we play in the yard, or we would call play as well street street cricket, which is very much uh, like the neighbourhood. Um, and you're playing the road, so if you hit directly into uh, <laughs> neighbours' yards, and, and that you out, you know. So, and, the, and you'll get the stories where you think, "Don't hit it into that neighbour's out uh, yard." She'll be making mince ball tennis balls, you know, mince uh, some <laughs> tennis ball stew. <laughs> any any vicious dogs in the neighbourhood? So, yeah, it was all fun. Yeah, now plenty. So you got, <laughs> you know, you're making me think now. Back, uh, you got to like time it, get the ball, run. <laughs> no, a lot of, lot of fun. Now, now, when when did you discover you could spin the ball? 
you've got this iconic bowling action uh, that we all know and love. Uh, when, when did you think this is something I could be pretty good at? Yeah, I started bowling spin much later. Um, I grew up actually just bowling quick, fast with that action. Um, yep. And the story goes when I was about 10 years old, 11 years old, I was playing a game of cricket and the gentleman just stopped the game and he said, why don't you hold the ball with your three fingers on it? You know, the typical leg spinner's grip. Yeah. Um, and bowl slower. <laughs> um, I never had access. <laughs> I never had access to knowing how I looked when I bowl or anything like that. I thought I was like every cricket player, any bowler bowling with his head and and bowling, you know. Um, and I was pretty accurate at a young age. Um, so I journeyed along, um, sort of bowling spin, bowling seam, but still going towards the seam a lot more. So always very active in the game, but only at around the age of 16 or so, I really started focusing on spin. Uh, and that's where I also developed my unique grip, um, wanting to turn the ball away. I, I, it's just those, those, those years, there wasn't the internet. Um, there wasn't all this access to footage and all of those things. So it was very much self-taught. Um, and how I needed to bowl, how I needed to take wickets, um, how I had to go about it uh, and be accurate. Um, so it's uh, it was a, it was quite a journey for me um, going about bowling spin. And, and and lots of hours of trial and error. Did you find that you you mess around with different ideas and then you you, you got onto something that worked for you? Yeah, those trial and errors always happen in the backyard um, with a tennis ball. So, um, and I think you'll listen to a lot of, of spinners that have played international cricket, especially guys who, who did different things with the, the ball. They'll tell you that base started either bowling with tennis balls, um, figuring out different things. Um, and, and for me, it was the same. Um, in the backyard playing games with my brother, how to get him out, otherwise he'll bat the whole day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, uh, it just made it a big challenge for me, you know. So it, uh, and that, that, was, that was probably where the building of character and, and always wanting, can I figure it out? Can I get something different um, going to take him out? Yeah, God bless our older brothers. They, uh, I know, I, know I, I did lots of bowling to my my big brother in the backyard, and the same kind of thing. You're just trying to, you just want to have a bat and do whatever you can to, to to get a turn with the willow. Now you you're very young when you when you burst into first class cricket. What what was that progression like? Yeah, in, into the first class ranks. Yeah, it's. it's sort of, they labeled it the season of magic. So if I take it back, I I was in my, well, we call it now grade 12, um, back in, in 94. Mm. Um, so I got out of school and, and um, so the, the year of 95 was, mom asked me, are you going to study? Are you going to, what are you going to do with your life, you know, beyond school? So I said, look, I've been invited to go to the uh, Western Cape Cricket Academy, which is here in Cape Town, um, and it was run by Eddie Barlow um, at, at that stage. And I wanted to give cricket a go and see where I ended up for the next year, you know, um, and see where it takes me. And this was when all uh, uh, it was opportunity coming around. It was unification happened a few years before mm. um, within South Africa. So it was a lot of energy and a lot of 
excitement around um, sport, especially South Africa winning also the Rugby World Cup in '95. Mm. Um, so the the nation was quite energized um, around sport and that. So that winter went along um, in the academy. Went on some winter tours with Eddie Barlow, and 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 we played against some first class teams up north, up in Joburg, Pretoria, um, and. And and through that, I think my name got onto the map sort of for, I was in and around that maybe there was a possibility for me to be playing uh, for the province side. But look, that was a lot of talk happening in the background. I was not aware of this. And we played our first game, club cricket. I played, I picked up uh, eight wickets. And then the next weekend, I got picked in the sort of the provincial B side um, to go along and play. And the next week, I'm getting a clone call. I'm picked in the A side to go play alongside your your Eric Simons, your Gary Kirsten, your uh, Craig Matthews, and all of them play alongside the, uh, in that team. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's this been quick. That's, that's, that's a very <laughs> obviously they saw something different. It's a very quick yeah. progression. And in that game against England, four wickets and then five wickets. Yeah, that was sort of uh, this was. Before that first class game, um, that was after actually. Oh, okay. So I played that for my first game. Yeah, I played my first game for Western Province. Picked up a six wicket all in the second innings. Um, and I, while we were busy, I was looking up the scoreboard. They're announcing the South African A side to play against England. And um, my name's on the board. And I was, wow. Sheesh, no. <laughs> First of all, I haven't really travelled that much. Next thing, I'm flying off to Kimberley as well to go play against England, against Graham, Alex Stewart, Darren Goff. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is exciting stuff here. Um, getting to that game, that's where I took that four and five. Yeah. Um, and the A-side won the, won the game against England. And that's where it just went crazy. I think the English media, um, who's this kid? Where's he come from? Um and, and and people just became so aware about me as a player and someone being very different, taking wickets. It just created a frenzy around the country. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're fairly new to to this this kind of thing. You you're very young. You, you're in the mix. Were you looking up to a lot of these guys? Are these guys you'd been watching on television? And did you ever dream that you'd be sending a few down? To these guys, and and not only sending them down, but sending them back to the sheds. You know, I I, I sit back and I, I only when afterwards that all happened, you sit back and you think, yeah, hey, what 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 just happened? Because it it all became a very blur. Things happening quickly for me. Because um, I was I was quite a quiet guy in the dressing room, or just in general very quiet, um, and. And only later on you think about what impact you had and and how quickly you got into the position of playing in in the first class team and 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 that rise to to play um, alongside those players because I'll tell you now that if you had if you went back to that time you go to my bedroom and there was posters actually of all those players that were sitting on on my bedroom wall. Um, at least to get from the magazines, and they were all around in the room. So those that visuals were all, always there to to play and and look up. And you know, it's also the time when Shane Warne came on the scene. He he was a big inspiration to go with, but to take up the spin bowling and 
and sort of bamboozle batsmen more and, and try and be like that, you know. So it uh, it has a, a big impact in I think in young cricketers' uh, lives when you when you have that visual um, and sort of imagining yourself playing on those fields and and all of a sudden for me at eighteen it, it happened so quickly. Yeah, and then so you you play that game, you get your four and five wickets, uh, and then. The call-up comes to make your test debut at Port Elizabeth. Uh, in that series as well, yeah. Sean Pollock makes his debut, I think, in the first test. Yeah. Jacques Callis in the second test. Yeah. Um, I think there was a game there. Mike Atherton batted for hours on end in in one of yeah. those games there. Um, and and do you think that, that uh, aspect of South Africa – wanting to try and win a test match. There'd been a few draws early in the series. Do you think that played in your favour in terms of the opportunity coming so quickly? Yeah, very much. Um, because of it's it, it, it sort of our kept taking wickets and people, the media and all of them were putting pressure on, on the selectors and SA side that, yeah, someone here that can maybe take out the English. He did it in one game. Um, we haven't won any of the games yet. Um, it's a it's a historic series. He has an opportunity to play the young player um, and and give him that scope to try and make an impact for for the nation. You know, um, a lot of people say, "Do you think it was too early?" Um, and would you have been a much better cricketer if you? You just sort of laid it down. But, you know, sometimes fate and the opportunities come and, and you think, and you go back and you think, there must have been another reason why they played me. Something must have happened. And I, I think that moment was that it almost like the, the country needed something different again, uh, needed someone to inspire young people to believe um, that they can achieve, um, come out of uh, um, a small uh, suburb, um, where within a year you had no idea that you were going to walk out onto the field, but through belief and through your energies of, of positivity and wanting to achieve all the time, um, that you can, um, that you can go out there. And and our youth in in the country was was crying out for that. And a lot of people think you would have been a better cricketer. But I I always think back. Look, you can't take things back, and the moments were there. And and I went out fully and just wanted to enjoy it. You know. Um, look, there was was, uh, was some it's a big moment when when that all happened. The big call up um, happened quickly, um, but I I look back and yeah, won't change a bit, won't change a thing how I went about it. Do Do you remember how you heard the news? Yeah, we were playing a game down at Newlands, and it was actually um, rain delayed. So was walking around the ground. They were still clearing up the field. Um, and sort of uh, one of the teammates came out to changing room, and I was out on the field, kick, I think kicking a football around and that, and uh, shouted out, just shouted, Hoha, you in the squad, you in the squad, <laughs> my nickname. <laughs> uh, and that's how it got announced, yeah. Um, that, that we, you know, back in the day, it was either announced by the news, and not now a media post or anything. There wasn't a phone call, we were busy with the game. There was no cell phones to phone you like directly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we found out like that. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Now, now you come into that team, uh, you get some wickets in the first game, Graham Thorpe, Mike Atherton, uh, a couple of the big ones in there. Hansi Cronier is your captain. 
What What are your recollections of, of coming in under Hansi? He he had a bit of an aura about him at the time. Can Can you reflect back on on what it meant to you to come into that team and and what you remember of Hansi's leadership? Look, as as a player before that, just watching Hansi as as a young cricketer, just just watching him leading the South African team was was quite big, and you could sense that he was someone who who demanded the respect and also led in a way where he kind of um, got to know each player and what what made them tick. You you make a point of spending time with each individual. Um, but also he's, he's one of his key things was his work ethic. Um, so he wanted that work ethic to really rub off onto the team and that. So, and, and to, to show the guys that nothing comes easy, you know, you gotta make sure you got the yard, put the yards in, um, in your skill, in your fitness, um, or fielding. You really just pull the troops together in that sort of way. Um, and that's where you get a lot of respect for him as a, as a person. And, and look, it was unfortunate how he, he, he sort of his life went about um, towards the back end. And But look, a lot of players who played under him had a lot of respect for him. Um, just on how he would go and how he was dedicated towards, towards his game and towards his fellow teammates. And were there any other players in the squad that when you came in, you thought, oh, these guys made me feel at home or uh, they made it easier for you to transition into test cricket? Any any reflections on players who helped you in the early stages? Look, the the young players were um, were very good. Um, Sean Pollock was quite young into it, but a very mature head as well. I knew Jacques from, from playing against him at school. So we would also very rally amongst each other and sort of spend a lot of time um, at that stage. Because um, after that series, we went to the World Cup. So it was also my, one of my first overseas tours and all of those things. So there was a lot of those going on. I was spending a lot of time with the young players. But guys like Dave Richardson um, really also sort of took me under the wing as the wicketkeeper was an important one. Um, in terms of guiding, of of having that relationship, um, what pace, what sort of thing, what game, how are we going about the strategy, all of those, um, and Hansi, you know, so those, those a, key um, players were... You had a good batting partnership with Dave Richardson as well, didn't you, in your, yeah. in your second test? That was, <laughs> that was an enjoyable one. Uh, being not noted for your batting, can, I, can you indulge us and tell us a little bit about uh, that time at the crease with Dave Richardson where you, where, where you really... Um, you really got under the skin of the the England players. Yeah, not many people knew about my batting, um, <laughs> even the teammates. So when I got to when I got to Dave, uh, when I walked up and he just said, "Look, just uh, try and hang in there with me." I said, "Don't don't worry, I got it covered." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, and. Yeah, that's how I batted all the time. I think all the time through, you know, it, it's sort of reading the situation, what is required, um, and play for your partner in that sort of sense. And the one thing was that stood out was the, I think they got distracted in trying to take me out instead of pull me out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it allowed Dave and that just to bat longer and sort of get the scoreboard ticking as well, you know, so... And there were some some free runs at, on on hand as well. When when guys to kind of get distracted from what they need to do um, and lose focus, you, know, you get some free balls that you can score. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that that sounds like that would have been been some good fun. It's always always fun for the batting <laughs> team when the tail wags. 
and it was a quite a because when I walked in, the game was quite even. Um, we were almost like uh, uh, there was no lead really on. Uh, all of a sudden, we put on seventy three or seventy four run lead. That just emoted the it sort of just um, gave us a lot of confidence and put the English team under pressure and then Polly came in the second innings and he just yeah he blew them away with the ball so and that just yeah we had to just knock down some runs hundred runs I think so it was was quite a good good win and that was a series win for us yeah yeah you get a series win uh, in the tests and then the the one day internationals are something like 6-1 as well uh, in in the home yeah. series there before the World Cup and and the World Cup started really well in your group game, South Africa, everything tracking really well, and then unfortunately in the in the quarterfinals you bow out. What are your reflections on on that time at the World Cup? Were you feeling the pressure of the occasion uh, for a young guy, or was it just enjoyable to be on your first overseas tour? Yeah, as I said, it was my first trip overseas, and where to go? India, and and we were in. In Pakistan, yeah. um, so it, uh, and it's it's quite different to what it is now. Um, it was quite a big eye opener about how people live and and how people are really passionate about the game. Um, I got to, especially at the opening ceremony, meet a lot of the, more of my heroes there as well. Wasim Akram, Shane Warne, uh, Waka, Yunus, met them all there as well um, at that opening ceremony. So for me, it was. It's quite exciting and and getting to to mix with the with the best players in the world, you know. But if I think back, we were we were rated as one of the, the top teams as well for that tournament. Uh, we we had a good record going into it. Um, the squad was quite excited. Uh, we would we gelled nicely. We prepared well. Um, however, like for me, from a personal point of view, it was it was just sort of. Um, a time where I thought I could have played a lot more. Um, they almost used me as a as a cricketer for surprise moments, you know, in key big games. We don't want to show show them what I can do and all of those and sort of hide me. Um, yeah, but right. if you just think back, if you look at how cricket goes, you make sure you're playing those best players so they can get into their rhythm, get into their games. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, I was 18, um do as you told um, type of way and, and make sure you, you knuckle down when those opportunities come, you know. Um, so I never got to play against your Islands or your UAEs and all yeah. of that. I was up against Pakistan <laughs> and, and in that quarterfinal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so pressure moments all the time put on me uh, to play. But look, I, I, I thought I performed admirably uh, in yeah. those games. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, was was a great experience for my side, but unfortunate uh, other result went towards the end. Yeah, yeah, not the way you, you want the, the campaign to finish. But it sounds like a, a really valuable learning curve for you as well. Getting getting the opportunity to play some of those big moments as well. Now you, you go yeah. and um, as as a nineteen year old, you take a six for in a test match, and. That's against India, and we're looking at Tendulkar, Dravid, Azruddin, just to, na- just to name a couple. Tendulkar, one of the greatest we'll ever see in my lifetime. Um, can you reflect on uh, on what it meant to you to, to get a big bag against some of the best players of spin on the planet? Yeah, so 
leading up to that game, we were. Um, I was asked by Hansia. He said, "Look, why don't you bring something different to the game? Um, if you take a wicket to a, a, a sort of a flick flack somersault." <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched the clips of those six wickets. <laughs> <laughs> I took the first wicket, did my flick flack. I didn't know I was in the six of them at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the fun bit. But yeah, it, like playing the test test series, and because you know, I, I flew over just for the test series. Um, I like, uh, especially the first test we lost in Ahmedabad. Um, I think I arrived like the day or two days before that test match into India um, and said, look, you're playing, uh, it's going to turn and get in there. So, and then Kampur was, was, was good to me in, in sense of taking wickets and the six fur, but on that tour, the, the big occasion was actually playing in Eden Gardens and winning there. Um, yeah. That's where, so Azrudin smashed a hundred in like 70 odd balls at the Google loudest voice I ever heard at the cricket stadium yeah. <laughs> but then I got him out and it just went silent again. <laughs> it's, um, it's amazing playing out there so it's, uh, yeah it's just a special special time it was my first fighter um, in test cricket as well um, which made it uh, quite cool yeah, yeah and, a, and a pretty good season the 96-7 season I think 27 test wickets in, in, in that season there and things were looking really good for you and I just wanted to wanted to ask you about uh, how you sort of managed being sometimes in the team, sometimes out of the team. You, you touched on it at the World Cup, how you felt you had limited opportunities. You also had some injuries in your career as well. Can you kind of reflect on uh, looking back and thinking um, the 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 lack of continuity you had from being in sometimes and out at others, and and um, what that impact had on you? Yeah. Um, I sometimes joke about it in saying that I'm probably one of the most kept 12 men um, <laughs> in world cricket. You know, <laughs> I think along with uh, Paul Rifle as well. He also sat a lot on the sideline, kept the odd game during a, a tough period to try and get into a team. But uh, in my one was um, more of, you know, a, Catching a game at the end of a series um, when there's nothing really play, get an opportunity. Um, only really in later in the 2000s where I started sort of looking at me as the leading spinner, getting in there. Um, so it was very really a stop-start, stop-start all the time um, situation um, in my cricketing career, um, especially at international level. Um, and I felt that for me to have grown would have been a lot more, get a lot more continuity, which, which I think uh, in this day and age, they think more along that line, get more opportunity into players, um, giving that, that, that area for them to grow, um, and allowing them. But you also require that squad around you, yeah. um, to kind of just, um, make sure they're looking after that sort of, um, skill, um, Make sure you're bowling in the right moments. Make sure you're in the right uh, uh, surfaces when you're going to play and all of those things. So it um, is a lot more detail that goes into the thinking in these days um, around the games and things. So, yeah, if you think back, that's why I, um, now as a coach, you think back on those things and you try and, try and make sure you, you create an environment that is more uh, growth-orientated towards cricketers. And do you think as well, being a spinner, you you need 
to feel like your captain's backing you, your coach is backing you, and um, they've got full confidence that you're going to do a job. You had a number of different captains uh, over um, uh, over your time. I think you, you would have played under Sean Pollock. You would have played under uh, maybe even Mark Boucher and, and Graham Smith, uh, as well as Hansi. Did you find that they all uh, had their way, their, their own different way of getting the best out of you? Yeah, each one was very different in, in how they managed and how they went about their, their captaincy. So it was quite important of, of getting that relationship. And that's probably one of the better advice you can give any young cricketer is make sure you're always working on your relationships around the leadership within the team. Um, uh, bowling spin is enough, is, is, is hard enough, you know. So <laughs> um, making sure they're on the same page with you and how you're thinking and and how you think it's going about in that moment and all those uh, stages within a game is important. And and you have to talk about the game, you know. It's it's not where you're going to be finding um, players like Warren and that and Bulletin and dropping out of the sky. And you've got to really work on game plans where where they, they have to construct a way how they can build pressure. Um, is the weakest conducive for you and, and how we're going to approach it in that sort of way so each one um, probably was was a different way of approach um, some allowed you to take uh, care of everything allowed you to to take control of your game and, and some wanted to control your own game uh, without communicating <laughs> really on, on how they needed to go about it but that's all part and parcel of, of cricket um, that's, I always say cricket is like life you know if you, if you aren't if you aren't really prepared for the ups and downs and things, then um, then yeah, you you're gonna learn a hard way about it. So it's it's a it's an incredible sport that you can go through, and and how to manage it is 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 so important. Yeah, absolutely. And you speak about the highs and the lows. Can we we'll talk on about another one of the highs? The the ten wicket match uh, against Bangladesh, two thousand and three. Uh, Bit of a day out for Jacques Rudolph and Boda Dipinar. They peeled off plenty of runs with the bat, so you had plenty to to bowl to. But the five for thirty-seven, uh, followed by five for sixty-nine against Bangladesh. Um, any reflections on that match? We can help you spend less with our lowest price since twenty nineteen on our individual sausage six hundred gram packs. Yeah, geez. first ten we could all for me. Uh, um, Playing in in Shetagong, it was 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 quite uh, uh, quite an experience, you know. Um, Bangladesh is also a cricket crazy uh, place, and and for me to to come in, I think the the five um, was the first one was was okay, cool. We got it. We got some big runs on the board. Then that sort of set up for me to to really get into them. Um, they were they were under under pressure um, in that sense and. And weren't quite sure how to go about playing me, so it um, and picked up that fifer to to win the game for for the team, you know. So um, I know man of the match went to Jacques Rulo for his two hundred, but <laughs> <laughs> picking up it, I could have given it to both. <laughs> but, but it was yeah, um, but it, yeah, it was good fun, good fun to get out there, and it was like one of our first tours as well to Bangladesh. Is there a better feeling as a spinner? Doing the job for your team uh, in the second innings and and skittling a team out like you did is that is that 
the epitome of <laughs> of um, what you set out to do as a as a spin bowler in Test matches? Oh, it's a, it's an amazing feeling, you know. And we often we'd make jokes in the changing room, especially with Lance Klusner. He'd come to me and he say, "Look, it's, we're on day four and five. It's the last innings, and he'll say, here's the key.'" Almost like here's the key to the engine. You're the engine though. You will drive the car. <laughs> You're the key. <laughs> um, and say so it's not left up to, uh, to the Seabers. Yeah, you're the man for the job. Here we go. No pressure, son. So, but it was all all fun, you know. Um, you you got to understand that uh, when conditions are in your favour, you want to do it, you know. Um, you you train for it. You. You prepare for it, you know, and you your contribution becomes massive towards the win. Um, even if it uh, if it is small or it's big, but when you do it in the in the final innings and you bowl it, team out, um, it's it's an amazing feeling for a spinner to to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, you don't retire from uh, cricket. I think till probably around October two thousand and eight. What what was the transition like for you out of playing? You get into some commentating. You do some doing some coaching as well. Did what, what was it for you that uh, was the the key deciding factor to sort of say, okay, I'm ready to move on to the next thing? And how has that move been for you? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, back in 2008, um, it was a period where we had, you know, uh, you know people talk about the uh, uh, mental side of the game and uh, mental health of the game. Um, I was sort of a period where I was just hating playing the game. Um, it was like hate, hating. Uh, I just gave it a thought, like in saying, "Why am I playing cricket?" I'm, I'm not playing for why I started the game. I'm, I'm just hating every moment going out. What am I trying to prove? Um, I'm putting myself under so much pressure um, to get out there. And not and and you always got to think, take it back to why you actually started the game. That mm-hmm. love and that was sort of was tough to get towards, you know. So it it sort of was was eating me away. Um, and with chatting to my wife and, 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 and family, I just sort of decided and said, guys, look, let me transition. Let me see if I can um, stay within the game and, 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 and get that passion of, 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 of transferring my knowledge or, or getting involved in the game. So that's where I started branching out. I actually worked in the, in the cricket office here in, in Western Province as, as a uh, club scorecard logger onto the internet sort of on their website sort of all the scorecards would come in from club cricket yeah. um and 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 log that onto the to the website um so they can all view all of those things i worked in there um then i was assisting eric simons in the nets uh, he was the western province coach by then yeah. um and and then i was also doing a bit of commentary so i sort of was uh, allowed to people allowed me opportunities within different spaces within the game, um, and and gave me opportunity to grow in certain spaces. And I found myself a lot more in the nets um, with the coaching, uh, and and then through that going to my different coaching levels, um, and then journey through that from going from academy going towards uh, coaching the Cat Cobras franchise team for over mm-hmm. five years. 
um, and then moving through all different uh, areas within coaching from the youth um, back into a developing players and, and all that kind players, young players into, into trying to play for professional cricket. It, do you have any, now, now that you are coaching, you're just sort of saying how you got to that point in your, your own playing career where you're just putting lots of pressure on yourself and uh, had lost the essence of why you started playing the game, that passion for the game that you had when, when you're playing at Grassy Park and you're just loving it. How, how, do, you, how do, you do, do you communicate to your players now as a coach to help them to make sure that they're loving what they're doing and, and keeping them uh, on track with why they started playing the game themselves? Yeah, I think that's a very important point. Um, it is is he spending that time, spending that that moments where you can connect with your player, um, be it something about them on the game, uh, on the cricket field, or it can be something that's off the cricket field. You know, and there are moments in where I've had experiences where a player would be underperforming um, on the field and it had nothing to do about his skill, his talent or anything. And we found out that it was it was off-field um, mm. distractions that was happening. Um, the moment we sorted that out, the player is actually on the brink of playing for South Africa. So it's, 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 it's amazing how it could turn around on the player, how his life could just move on. So, it, But it's, it's finding that those key moments within cricketers' minds because when you when you sit there just as a player, you just revolve around your own self. Um, you're only focusing on yourself. You won't sometimes be vulnerable and talk to someone outside um, that can assist and help um, because you, you feel that that might jeopardize your place in the team or, you know, if you're vulnerable in that sort of sense. So it's, it's making sure that your players are comfortable and talking to them and, and open about um, various aspects within their life and it takes time you know it just doesn't say okay I'm coach now you must talk to me it takes time to build that relationship um, and to build that trust absolutely absolutely well I, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you share your story with us and there's just one question before we go now this is a very popular question with our guests we like to ask if you had the chance uh, to have a net session some sometimes uh, these questions get asked if you could have anyone over to dinner. But being a, a cricket podcast, we really need to know <laughs> who, who you want to have at the nets. Now, like you, you, play, you, you played through an era, uh, someone like Alan Donald. I don't know whether you'd want him at the nets because he'd probably scare the wits out of you. Um, someone like <laughs> someone like him, but but he, he might be a really good bloke, and you might want to just hang out with him anyway, and and maybe get him in to bowl some bumpers. To someone you didn't like, I, I don't know. But um, are there three people that Paul Adams is going to invite to to the nets uh, to to hang out, play a bit of cricket, and just enjoy each other's company? Yeah, right. Look, it, uh, it, I think it's it's important that you look at people that influence your your sort of your life um, in and along the journey. Um, but firstly, I'll probably invite uh, Tupac Shakur. And teach him about cricket. <laughs> he was a big uh, influence in my life. I know he was about rapping and and all of that stuff. But uh, I think he, he influenced a lot of people in their lives and about how they can think about it. Yeah. Um, so he'll be the first one, and I'll give him some coaching. I yeah. use that sort of skill as well to help him along. Um, 
the second one would be Mr. Nelson Mandela. Oh, He'll yes. be sitting there on the side, you know, under umbrella, yeah. and just cheering <laughs> everyone along and doing his Madiba dance. <laughs> yeah. And then the third one would be the battle between me and Shane Warne all the time. And I'll have Warne in the nets, and he'll bat against me, and I'll have a ball team, and I'll try and reverse sweep him again. <laughs> <laughs> see, see if you can get that big belly laugh out of Warne like you did when you reverse swept him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just on that reverse sweep. Um, we, I think we, I was a bit. I think I was a bit ahead of my game then. Because <laughs> you, you tried playing that reverse sweep in the previous test, hadn't you? That you, it's not the first time yeah. you, you'd played that reverse sweep. Was it premeditated yeah. to to try and unsettle Warney? Um, actually, it goes. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, Bob Woolmer was the coach. Um. And I, I sat upstairs with him and I was talking. I said, like, look, Bob, I'm not picking a thing here when he bowls to me. I don't know which way. I'm good at the sweep. Um, and, and, and I think I'm fancying myself with the reverse sweep. I've got to find a way I'm going to score. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I came. He just said, well, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. You know? So, look, I pulled it out a few times. It was, I think there was a game in Sydney in the night game as well. Uh, I played a few shots there as well. So. But the funny story is actually we played in Cape Town, uh, I think it was in 2001 or two, somewhere there, series. And I'm batting again in the partnership. So I've walked in and all is bowling and punter, Ricky Ponting, all they're sitting at Silly Point. They're saying, don't worry, Orny, the reverse sweep's coming now. Don't worry, it's coming now. <laughs> and I kept looking at him and he kept bowling and I blocked. Block, but then he threw one up and I slug swept it for, for six. Oh, and my yeah. reply was, Well, guys, if I could hit that way for six, I wouldn't go for the reverse sweep anymore. Thanks. Oh, I love it. Oh, that, that, that must yeah, have been so a bit of fun. Oh, very good feeling. Well, thank you so much for sharing the last little while with us, uh, Paula. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching you as a cricketer and it, it's been a real privilege to talk to you and uh, listen to your story. And I, I dare say all our listeners uh, w- would think the same way. And, and, and we, we thank you so much for being a guest on the Cricket Library podcast. Yeah, always great to reminisce, um, and especially, yeah, you know, everyone keeps safe. Um, it's a tough stage in the world at the moment, but uh, yeah, good to talk about all good good things back in the day. But uh, there's a reality out there that everyone will just keep safe. Thanks, guys. A massive thanks to Paul Adams for joining us on this edition of the Cricket Library podcast. A massive thanks to you too, our listeners, our loyal listeners who tune in and help us to keep telling these stories that inspire a love of cricket. And what an inspirational story this one was from Paul Adams. Growing up, playing cricket in Grassy Park, learning the game and then being propelled onto the big stage, having an early impact in first-class cricket and progressing into the Test Cricket Arena and, and forging a very successful career, 45 Test matches for his country, 24 one-day internationals and 141 first-class games as well. Playing under the captaincy of Hansi Cronier, coming into Test Cricket at the time when Sean Pollock and Jack Callis were making their way into the team and 
How good were those net session selections? Tupac, Nelson Mandela, and Shane Keith Warne. That'd be very, very interesting indeed. And we we really appreciate Paul sharing with us on this edition of the program. We'll have plenty more of these conversations coming up, conversations that inspire a love of cricket. And we look forward to sharing more of them with you in the coming weeks and months. This has been Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library Podcast. Bye for now.